Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Yo, this is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, Michael Florio, I am Greg Sussman. Today's a big day, Frank. Oh, it's a very big day. Large day indeed. Very momentous occasion. We, the reason why it is so momentous, Mike, and as everybody knows about Mike, he's a pretty terrible tight end drafter, and we're going to help him out. And that's the momentous occasion. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, uh, we tweeted out from the Fantasy BFFs account today, we're going to talk about one of Mike Florio's favorite things in the world. Yep. Those are tight ends. He loves them. He loves tight ends. Loves the tight end. The thing is, yeah. Mike Florio has never been able to pick the right tight end. Never. Today we will help him. We will, we will do just that. Uh, Mike Florio, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm hoping I'm better at drafting tight ends than you guys give me credit for. But I guess we'll see. Also, also... 27 years ago today? Yeah. 27 years ago today, uh, Mike Florio was born. I read that. Shout Thank out, you. Mikey! It's Fun fact. Clapping for yourself on your birthday, that's awesome. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, 27 years ago today, I was like eight minutes old right now. So, there you go. Great. Uh, by <laughs> the way. It's your um, Yankee championship. Speaking game. of the Yankees, it looks like they just acquired Jay Happ. Oh, god. For what? Uh, Finalized the Yankees for two. Uh, it seems like Brandon Jury is one of the pieces. I'll let you know the other pieces. Right, I mean, Poor Brandon Jury. I mean, he's going to play every day. That's what he wants. Everyone was hyped for him. He came, he got hurt, and then that was it. Yeah. Anyway, so I'll get you the latest on that trade uh, when it happens. Uh, yeah, Mike, how are you? How are you in the, on this second to last day on the BFFs ever? I mean, I'm a, you guys are, are making me a little sad. I'm going to miss you guys are tremendously. But, but I'm, I'm excited for today. It's going to be a really fun day. I think so, too. Uh, I think so, too. On the show today, what's up with tight ends, obviously, coming up at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, live on YouTube only, is the return of the BFF Power Hour with, with friends. Oh, it's going to be a great time. It started just the three of us. We opened it up. When, why did we do the last one? What was the reason that we did it? Because we were thirsty? Okay. I think it was Tout Wars weekend. Is that what it was? No, I don't think so. No. Because I didn't go, I didn't Scott, partake or go out with you guys. One. Scott was here. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure you guys were all going... It seems unlikely that I would do a power hour here rather than... Maybe I did. Maybe it was Tower's Wars weekend. Um, or it was March Madness, one of the... Same thing. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Long okay. time coming. All right. Well, it's been a while then. It's been since March. We'll make the return of the power hour with friends. Mike Florio, uh, Frank Stample, and I, and, and a whole bunch of other people are going to be here to say goodbye to Mike um, in a power hour. He will be on the show tomorrow for the final time uh, as a regular host. Um, and it'll be good. 
It'll be good. So we'll try to make this as most, as normal of a show as possible. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we have a lot of good stuff planned, including finding out, you don't know this yet, Florio, uh, but finding out who, you, who your picks are for this year, like who your Blake Snell is for football and so on and so forth. Um, we'll go through your, I know you don't have rankings done yet, but like, I want to know who your guys are this year. So we're going to do that tomorrow on the show. Okay, cool. Sure. I don't think I have my Blake Snell yet, but I do have a lot of guys that I like. Okay, so I'd like to talk about them tomorrow. Okay. As well as some other things. A Florio flag planting episode. Right, and, and uh, for, Florio, Flare, Florio Flarewell as well. Flarewell. Woo! The Flarewell. I just saw the gif you guys used. Great job. I did not use it. It was JP, but JP. I sent it to him. All great, about great JP. It's the uh, salt and pepper shaker. I haven't been able to do that in four months. Mm. Do you think you'll ever salt and pepper shake again? No. Okay. That was in April of 2018. You were thing. really excited about I salt and pepper. I was in. You were really, really Could have been in. more in. I was fully in. Could have and been, I was duped. Couldn't have been more in. Um, and that's why we got you something, Mike. We got you something for your birthday. Here we go. I want to present it to you. We got a birthday gift. Throw it to the, hold on. I want to show it to the camera first. Here we go. Turn the camera on me. For Mike Florio, for his birthday, your BFFs have gotten Florio. <laughs> A salt and paper shaker shirt. That's amazing. Because we know how much Mike Florio likes salt and pepper shaker. That's amazing. Happy birthday, Mike. Thank you. Frankie and I got you the thumbs up, right, last year? So this goes well with you that? You didn't. We have thumbs up. We got a sweatshirt. Yeah, Yankee we got sweatshirt. him the Yankee That's hoodie. what it was. That's very, very was. nice. So we got you a salt and pepper shaker shirt. Thank you, guys. I very much appreciate it. You got to still rep the Mets, even on the West Coast, Mike. Oh, yeah. Jake was just telling me to break up with them. That's just not physically possible It's actually for smart. Me. It's, it's smart. It's smart, but it's not possible for me. At mm-hmm. least you won't be able to physically go to games and support them yes. anymore, so that's a good thing. That's the one good thing. It's like thing. part of your protest. Nicolette actually bought me a, a sign that says City Field, and it's the exact number of miles to where we're going to be living, and it's like 3,419. So... Good. Get as far as yeah. way, as far away <laughs> as possible. I don't think I can physically get further. All right, let's get into the tight ends, gentlemen. Um, so, the tight ends... I'm looking for. I was looking at my rankings of last year's t- top tight ends on my list, and unbelievably enough, people still really liked Jordan Reed last year. And I know it's hard to imagine now, but Jordan Reed last year was my third ranked tight end at the time they did these rankings. Number four was Jimmy Graham, and number five was Greg Olson. Obviously, Reed and Olson, right over here, um, had some major, major injury issues. And that caused them to have really terrible years. Other tight ends inside my top 10. Tyler Eifert, another injury disaster. Uh, and Eric Ebron, who, again, why do we still do this? This year, a year where there's a lot of tight ends, as we spoke about yesterday, that could break out. We want to tell you what tight ends to avoid. So we tweeted out from the Fantasy uh, BFF Twitter account, as we have in each of the last two weeks, which of these tight ends is the biggest bust in 2018. Your choices, once again, Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, Delaney Walker, you're seeing uh, a trend here. I'm going to get to that in a moment. And then Evan Ingram, which I think is a really interesting one because Evan Ingram is going off the board as a top five tight end. Of course, the tight ends ahead of Evan Ingram are Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Rob Gronkowski, and I'd love to know both of you guys and those that are listening and want to call in at 844-843-6879 if you think any of those three guys may bust in 2018. Let's start with who I believe is the odd man out of this crew. Like Olsen, Graham, and Walker, they're all up there in age. They've all been around a very long time. They've all had extremely productive careers that 
I think they're on this list because you look at them and you're like, all right, maybe this is the year they fall off, right? I mean, that's the thought process here is maybe this is the year that it doesn't go right. Certainly last year was like that for Olsen. Not so much for Graham and Walker. Graham's had his issues, but he scores his touchdowns. Uh, Delaney Walker's kind of been the same player for the last five years. But Evan Ingram's different. Evan Ingram had a phenomenal rookie year by all accounts, finished the top five tight end. Now back for a year two with the Giants, a year where... We are used to seeing tight ends break out, used to seeing them uh, become mainstays in, in fantasy lineups and teams for years. But he made our countdown because of a big number, and that was 13, as you told me before, Frank. 13 drops for Evan Ingram last year. He, he's on this list because of the people around him. Saquon Barkley, Odo Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard. Evan Ingram's no best third, maybe fourth, on targets on this team. I come from the belief that he's not my guy to bust. Super talented, super young. We certainly know that Pat Shermer likes to use his tight end, as we saw last year with Kyle Rudolph, and in the past. I love Evan Ingram. Probably some bias there. Frank, what makes you a little bit off on Evan Ingram? Yeah, I mean, it's what you mentioned about um, the targets that are just around him. So from weeks uh, 1 to 5 last year, he was the tight end 18 in points per game. From week 6 through 17, he was tight end 4 in points per game. That is... During that span is when he caught five of his six, six touchdowns um, from week six to 17. 115 targets last year led the Giants. That was Evan Engram. Um, you know, I, I'm key in on week six on because Odell Beckham, that was when Odell Beckham went out. The last game he played was week five. Then Sterling Shepard missed week six, seven, 11, 12, 17. So six through 17 is when Engram had the opportunity to do all of, his, all of this damage. I'm just worried about targets this year. It feels like you're paying for the ceiling for Evan Engram once again. You're paying for him to replicate last year's stats, and I just don't see a way that that's possible, given Odell Beckham is going to demand his target share on this team. Sterling Shepard, and we're forgetting, Saquon Barkley is likely to catch, I'd say, you know, 45 to 55 receptions on this team this year. So, you know, that's going to be another at least 70 to 80 targets. So I just don't think that there's enough here for Evan Engram. Yes, you know, he might have some big weeks, but I think he's going to be inconsistent. I feel like right now for where he's going in that tight end 5-6 range, right around Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, Delaney Walker, you're paying for him to replicate last year's stats, and I just can't see it happening. But he was, listen, I know everything worked out for him, Florio, last year. All Odell and all the other wide receivers getting hurt. No running game to speak of. Certainly no pass-catching running back to speak of. But Evan Ingram is still, what, 23 years old. I mean, he's He's improving. Like, he's an improving player. I understand what Frank's saying, but I don't know that this drop-off is coming. I don't either. I think that he is second on this team in targets. Remember, Sterling Shepard, when they, when they had everyone, was not a guy that we owned in fantasy last year. He was a guy that when everyone got hurt, I picked up off waivers, and it was a fun ride. But I looked at uh, Evan Ingram and the four games that he played with Odell Beckham last year. And during those games, he had a, a one with 11 targets, two with seven, and one game with four. So if you're telling me he's going to be seeing around seven targets a game, I'm fine with that. And his per game during those four games with Odell Beckham looked like this. 7.3 targets per game, 3.8 receptions, 39 yards, and 0.3 touchdowns. If you extrapolate that four-game span into a 16-game season, you're looking at 116 targets, 60 uh, receptions, 624 yards, and four touchdowns. That is a step down from what he did last year. But the targets are still there. And I agree with Greggy. I think he is talented and only improving as a player. So I, I, 
I do worry with Frank, and initially he was, I, I considered Evan Ingram as my bus pick because there are a lot of options there. But I still think he has the opportunity to be the number two target getter on this team because, yes, Saquon Barkley is going to demand his touches. But I don't think he's going to out-target Evan Ingram on a week-by-week basis. I think Sterling Shepard is the one that I worry the most about if he's going to be inconsistent. There may be inconsistencies with Evan Ingram, but I think at year's end, the numbers will be there. I think so, too. I think there's inconsistencies when it comes to every tight end for the most part. Like outside of, let's say, a Gronk or a Travis Kelsey or or Zach Ertz is now in that category. There's inconsistency with everybody from week to week. And I think if you're getting not four for 39, like like Mike was saying, you obviously need more touchdowns than not. Um, I, I understand why people are worried about Evan Ingram. I just don't think I am. And I know it sounded like everything I said poo-pooed Evan Ingram. For this year, yes, but, you know, keeper, dynasty, long-term, I mean, he is a problem. You watch the way he plays. He's a good route runner, has to work on the hands. You mentioned the 13 drops he had last year. Uh, A 55% catch rate, that was 31st among all tight ends. So I worry about that as well. It might have been teams double-teaming him. He he was a rookie, uh, you know, just getting his feet wet in the NFL. Uh, But, you know, he's, he's fast. For linebackers and he's bigger than safety so he is a mismatch problem with that being said I just I'm worried about the targets you mentioned Saquon Barkley it's not just targets they didn't have a workhorse running back last year like yeah. Saquon Barkley is going to touch the ball anywhere from in my opinion 20 to 25 t- times a game so that's going to limit kind of everything for you know anyone not named Odell Beckham on this team so yeah there will be some big weeks maybe one week it's Sterling Shepard as the third option having a big week maybe one week it's Evan Ingram uh, I'm just worried about, uh, I feel like you're paying for what he did last year, and I'm not sure that he gets there. So for me, out of this group, he is one that I'm more worried about than the others on this list. Okay, so there you go with Evan Ingram, 844-843-6879. I want to take a call from Caesar in Arizona. What's up, Caesar? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, dude. What's up? My question is about uh, Derek Henry. Why do people not so? Why are people not high on Henry? I mean, is, is he an RB two in the center? Why are people not high enough, Mike Florio, on Derrick Henry? Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry. I think the concern of uh, Deion Lewis obviously factored in when before they got Deion Lewis, everyone was saying he's a top twelve guy, but Deion Lewis performed extremely well last year. He's a great pass catcher out of the backfield, so you know. Uh, Derrick Henry is not going to be out there on passing down plays. Can he be the goal line back? Can he, you know, still see 15-plus carries a game? Yes. So I do think he is an RB2, but some of that luster obviously went away when they brought in another capable running back. Yeah, to answer your question, Caesar, I think in a standard, uh, Derrick Henry, I'm going to have him as an RB2 as of right now. I have him ranked as my RB20, so that's kind of in the solid to low-end RB2 range. I, I do worry about Deion Lewis. I know it's a new team. We've seen running backs leave the New England Patriots and not be as productive, but they signed him to a solid contract here, and he's very versatile. When he's on the field, defenses don't know whether he's going to run, whether he's going to uh, catch passes out of the backfield. The Patriots used him in the red zone last year, and he did work there as well. So I just think Derrick Henry is not going to get the workload that we all thought kind of when everything was breaking down here early in draft season. So people are souring on Derrick Henry, but I think in a standard league, you get him as your RB2. I think you can do worse. You get him in that fourth round. I don't have a huge problem with it. I think he's going to be the goal line running back for this team. He could score anywhere from like, I'll say like seven to nine touchdowns. I think that's like a fair projection for Derrick Henry this year. I have him in RB21, so I'm right there with you. There you go. Let's go to Bob in Vermont. What's going on, Bob? Bobby. Hey, how you doing, Greg? Uh, happy birthday, Mike. Thank you, Bob. 
And how you doing, Frank? Doing well. How are you, Bob? Um, Greg. Yes. Good. I'm doing good. Everybody's doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, Greg, what about the uh, Green Bay Packers uh, tight ends? Oh, Jimmy Graham. We're yeah, gonna we're, we're gonna get Grant. the we're gonna get the Jimmy Graham a little bit later on in the show Jimmy tonight. Graham and Mercedes Lewis. Yeah, yeah. We're not probably not gonna talk about Mercedes Lewis at all. Uh, we're gonna talk about Jimmy Graham a little bit later on in the show today. He's good. He's not. Isn't he good? No. I think he's good. He's, he's, he played with Jacksonville Jaguars for a very long time, for like yeah. twelve years or so. Mercedes Lewis is a dinosaur now. Yeah. So. We're we'll gonna talk about Jimmy Graham a little bit later on the show. Yeah, in fact, sure. we, we could do the we could do Jimmy Graham when we get back from the break. I, I think it'll be a good time to touch on Jimmy Graham um, because I think it was I think it was in Barry's um, hundred facts column where he wrote a really good couple of facts which I'll look up during the break about Jimmy Graham that I want to read to you guys, okay. which makes me kind of in the camp that he could be the bust this year based on where he's going. So there's some stats there. We're also gonna get to Delaney Walker. Uh, obviously, and we're we're going to get to uh, Greg Olson as well because we disagreed about Greg Olson downstairs before the show started, Frank. So I'm excited to have that uh, discussion with you. How about that, Mike? Thank you, guys. Enjoy. I think we cut up this music a long time ago for like Joe Galina. Yeah, <laughs> very very funny. We've recycled it throughout all of our birthdays. We have a, uh, a couple more surprises along the way as well. So stick around. There's more of your fantasy best friends forever here in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Use as directed. Alrighty. Happy birthday indeed to you, Mike Florio. We're going to get Dr. A from Inside Injuries on the line. So, boys downstairs, you can Skype Dr. A. He's going to join us to celebrate your birthday, Mike. He's only coming on uh, for you. We should go through all of Michael Florio's injuries throughout his life. I like that. Dr. A. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, you know, Dr. A, Michael Florio had arthritis in his ankles as a young child. Um, well, I still do. What, what can you tell us about his long-term uh, productivity as a, a fantasy football writer, given his arthritis in his ankles? Well, let's ask Dr. A. He's listening in right now. What's up, Doc? Hey, guys. How are you? Can you help us about Florio's uh, lifelong arthritis problem? <laughs> how old is Florio? 27. Wow. So he has arthritis. I have it a worse injury. His... What is that? I have, like, they call it runner's knees or whatever. I have that in both of my knees. <laughs> Do you run? I did not enough. I did in high school. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, that is an actual uh, di- diagnosis. Uh, you can have runner's knees, which is a little bit of thinning of cartilage, and 
causes a little bone marrow edema within the bony part of the knee and it causes a lot of pain. So that is true. It, it's an actual diagnosis. So, well, doc, uh, so, you know, this is not only is this Florida's birthday, uh, it's also his last time oh, on the show birthday. with you. He's, Thank uh, you. He, he's headed to LA after tomorrow's program. Yes. I remember. I didn't know when you were actually leaving, but, uh, that's great. Good luck to you, man. We don't, act, we don't, we don't wish him really good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, Greggy became an exec and it's just He's kicking everybody out yeah. well, I, you know, I, I want him to stay I'm trying to do the opposite of kick him out Oh, you're guilting him Yes Alright, All right, cool I don't know if it's working though <laughs> Doesn't seem to be No <laughs> The big story, Doc, uh, this week is Andrew Luck Not on the pup list He's already throwing Everybody loves Andrew Luck again He's going to play the first game of the preseason Everybody is happy and optimistic when it comes to Andrew Luck Should we be? So um, we should be cautiously optimistic. I don't know what that exactly does for the fantasy draft, but um, what that means is do not make him your number one. Uh, he, he, you know, somebody will pick him number one, but his injury risk is just too high. Um, it's still at 20%. I mean, it's better than it used to be. Um, it was at 30, 30 in the high 30s. So he's down to 20%, which is really good. And he's at peak at 88% and is probably going to climb higher if he doesn't have any setbacks. That's the actual key word. He still has a, quite a bit of throwing and quite a bit of stuff that he has to do before game one of the season. So uh, fantasy owners need to be pretty careful on taking a risk on him being their number one. I still think that he's a number two in fantasy drafts. I mean, obviously if he didn't have multiple setbacks with that throwing labrum, you know, he'd probably be a number one right now, but just by that 20% IRC um, should be making him a number two. That's fair, Dr. A. I think given the depth of the quarterback position this year, I agree with you. Like if you take Andrew Luck, you have to have another quarterback in place but I, I do like the upside a lot as well. So you're, you're not just completely writing him off. Like, you can draft him, but just make sure you have, like, an, another uh, insurance policy in case everything goes south of him. Yes, 100%. If you do draft him one, you got to have a guy that is low injury risk and peak health that can come into his place and be a legitimate number one if he goes down because that injury risk at 20%, I mean, one, one out of five chance of him getting injured is still way too high. Well, another quarterback who, you know, has plenty of injury risk heading into the season is Carson Wentz, who as of right now has avoided the physically unable to perform list uh, for training camp. But we still don't know whether or not he's going to be ready for week one. Uh, if he misses time, he can miss multiple games here. He tore his ACL later on in the season. I believe he had his surgery on December 13th. So we're looking at about like nine months will be his recovery time by the time the season starts. How are we feeling about Carson Wentz? Should we be optimistic that he didn't land on the pup? Yes, I think um, you should be more optimistic than Andrew Luck, actually. Um, you know, when it comes to purely just from an injury perspective, you know, tearing your ACL, the technology is so good now. Surgery is really good. I mean, you can really, uh, you know, uh, have a great year after tearing your ACL previously. Now, could he suffer other injuries? Of course, right? But Carson Wentz, based on his player nucleus and kind of all the, his injury database and our algorithm, he's at 16% elevated injury risk right now. But by the time the season starts, if he doesn't have any setbacks, based on the previous sort of combination of the types of injuries he has had, he likely will be very close to low injury risk and peak health. So he actually has a better outlook from, from our standpoint than Andrew Luck that, that kind of pushes him into our
our recommendation from an injury standpoint to be as a number one as opposed to Andrew Luck, who would be a number two? Josh Doxson is a, a full go for the start of training camp, and we know he's battled injuries throughout his entire career. But with this leg injury, uh, would you be advising owners to stay away, or is it fair for them to take a shot on him later in drafts? So uh, let me give you the metrics. Uh, he's right now, right now at 21%, which is elevated. Um, high injury risk is above 25%, so he's not quite anywhere near low injury risk. Below average is 48%. So even if he gets to closer to low injury risk, um, our algorithms are saying that the previous injuries that he has suffered will still be significantly impactful on his play on the field because he's at, he has a 48% HPF where peak is at 80 something percent. So it's half of what peak should be at this time of year. So, you know, I would say that he is an avoid. Um, and if you do, uh, if you are going to pick him up, he must be picked up in much later rounds than, you know, obviously the first, you know, seven or eight rounds at least. Hey, by the way, when you guys talk about Carson Wentz, uh, he showed up training camp today. He's not on the pup or yesterday. He's not on the pup list, and uh, he was asked about rehabbing. He just got married. He was asked about rehabbing on his honeymoon. Uh, he gave a long pause and said he got some workouts in. There you go. And after a burst of laughter, he said, "In the fitness center." <laughs> oh, Carson Wentz! Carson Wentz, your ladies and gentlemen. Greggy's kind of guy. <laughs> We're talking to Dr. A uh, from Inside Injuries. And, Doc, I'm, I'm someone that's very high on Kareem Hunt. And I love Kareem Hunt this year, and I expect big things from him. But nobody's really talking about the fact that Spencer Ware's back. And he hurt himself um, in the preseason last year, very, very early on. Is he healthy and ready to go? What, year, what kind of year can we expect from Spencer Ware? Yeah, so Spencer Ware is an interesting uh, sort of case, um, but you know, right now he's at peak health. He's at 86% climbing, so he could potentially get into 90%. So that's good news, that whatever his injury was, it's not predicted to be impactful on his play. However, the, um, in, the, the injury risk right now is at 15%, which is elevated. So as the season starts to get closer and closer, that thing should start to creep down to 11%, which is the low threshold. So I think the likelihood of if he doesn't have any other setbacks in training camp, et cetera, from an injury perspective, he should be at low injury risk and peak health. So he's a real, if people are not going to take him as their number one, I think that he would be a really, really good insurance policy for somebody as a running back. All right, so an insurance policy both for Kareem Hunt and for your fantasy teams. You know, we're, we're talking to Dr. A, and, and Doc, I obviously know your, your specialty isn't exactly psychology in any way, but I'm trying to figure out what's going on with Josh Gordon. And I, I don't know what you know about it. I know you certainly tell us his, the injury expectation and whatnot, but from the, the mental aspect of the game, it seemed like he was healthy, he was clean, he was sober, and then just the day before Browns camp opens, uh, he doesn't show up. And the team makes an announcement, the NFL makes an announcement, he makes an announcement saying he needs to get himself right, um, he needs to be okay so he can be there week one. Nobody seems to have any idea if he'll be there week one. Nobody seems to have any idea what's going on. Uh, I thought maybe you, you'd have some insight on what's going on with Josh Gordon. 
So, you know, mental health issues in, in, in general affect almost 50% of the human population, you know, whether it's mild to severe, it's someone 50%, it's a flip of a coin that someone sometime in their life is going to have some, a, an issue with mental health because it's just like any other biological problem. You know, people who have diabetes can't produce insulin and because they have a problem with their pancreas, people that go through anxiety, true anxiety have an issue with uh, one of their centers in their brain and it's an organ. And so that's, it's going to happen. And that's the problem here is that, you know, it's a very difficult thing to treat. Sometimes it takes, it takes a while. There's a lot of peaks and valleys and, um, it affects anybody, including an NFL pro athlete. It, it, it's, it's an equal opportunity type of problem, you know? So unfortunately, uh, it can significantly impact, you know, our brain is the center of everything. So it doesn't matter if you're clearly in shape and he's got, you know, 97% HPF, which is pretty high. Um, there is, uh, nothing that they can do until he gets his mind right. And the only way to do that is through counseling, you know, uh, psych psychiatric help as well as medications and get to a right balance. So that way he can actually utilize, you know, the, the physicality in the, um, you know, in his peak 97%, you know, sort of system. So I'm hoping that makes sense. Dr. Ray, I wanted to ask you about Julian Edelman, who I don't know if people realize is now 32 years old, and he tore his ACL very early in camp last year. Uh, he's going to be dealing with the four-game suspension to start the season, so that's pushing him down draft boards for fantasy football purposes. But, you know, a guy who depends so much on his lateral quickness coming back from the torn ACL, uh, he's 32 years old. Should we worry about him a little bit more because he's, you know, past that that 30-year-old mark, or are we still all systems go with Julian Edelman because of the science and the research that we have with the torn ACLs? Yeah, I mean, I think um, anytime you, it's not just even passing 30 years of age, it's also the number of games played, number of hits, you know, just the constant contact. It's just very, very much, you know, as you get older, you know, the injury risk will go higher, it's just how much higher it will be. And so that's what kind of our algorithm shows is that he's at 18%. He's not going to get any lower than that. Again, he's at peak health, right? Recovering from an ACL, it's very good. So the injury won't impact his ability, <clears throat> you know, to play on the field. It'll be sort of he's at peak health again. The question is, is can he stay on the field? And uh, right now our algorithm is saying is that he's likelihood, you know, when you had elevated injury risk at 18%, Take, I mean, it's a very simple calculation. There's 16 games in a season. If he's at 20%, take a fifth of the games out due to the injury, basically. So he's close to that. He'll miss at least four to five games of equivalent time. And that's what our algorithm is, is basically saying. I wanted to ask you about a player who really hasn't done anything at the NFL level, but it seems on his team, the dark horse candidate always emerges as you know a running back to own as the season goes on. That player is uh, Kenneth Dixon of the Baltimore Ravens. He's saying he feels good. He avoided the active uh, PUP list. So is he back at uh, prime health? And should is it something that Alex Collins' owner should worry about, Kenneth Dixon maybe stealing some touches? So I was about to say all this stuff about Kenneth Dixon, but then there was an early report today on some local um, Baltimore channels and uh, that he limped off the field off the practice field today with an unknown injury. I don't know if you guys got that information. Frank it literally, <laughs> it literally just happened. And so the question is, is it on the original knee or not? So if we pretend that we, 
we, you know, if we pretend that we didn't hear that, yes, I agree with you. It's plenty of time to heal. Low injury risk, peak health. He's at 13% and he's at 87% peak health. It's going to be a lot higher once the season starts. However, we need to now dive into this, um, you know, uh, potential limping off the practice field and see if there's actually any truth to that. So or, I think the only thing to say is let's wait and see. For what it's worth, uh, I'm seeing a reporter say, it's a tweaked hamstring. Okay. Yeah. So obviously that changes a little bit. Tweaked hamstring is probably at least a soft tissue hamstring injury for a running back. It could be as high as a grade one. We'd have to plug that into our algorithm and see what injury severity comes out to. And then we'd be able to rerun his metrics. So whatever I just said about Kenneth Dixon, don't listen to until we actually rerun these <laughs> metrics. <laughs> so. is, is there a chance, Doc, that, you know, you, you talk about when these players are coming back from injury that they're, you know, compensating. I mean, it's very early in camp, but shouldn't we be worried that it's just the first day? Maybe there's some compensation involved here. He's, you know, he's trying to use one leg more than the other, and maybe that's what led to this hamstring injury because, you know, I'm very heavily invested in Alex Collins. So to me, the less competition around him, the better. Is that something that, you know, could continue to creep up with Kenneth Dixon. So you're the number one cause of an in, uh, injury uh, coming off of another injury is the fact that there is a psychological mental component of compensation. Um, you know, with that torn meniscus, you know, maybe he's thinking that he doesn't, you know, he wants to kind of gingerly kind of put that together, puts additional uh, pressure on the hamstring on the other leg or this leg, and then it causes a little bit of a tweak. Sometimes it has nothing to do with it, but there is a component of that. So yes, there is a little bit of compensation um, um, here, but you know, if it's a soft tissue hamstring, it's not even a grade one, you know, that thing is in a few days, it'll be good to go. And, uh, maybe it's just something that he has to get over the hump and it may not affect his metric and his numbers that much. So let's just, we'll have to wait and see, uh, based on when we pull all of our information and plug it in to see what kind of, uh, what it does to his metrics. Dr. A inside injuries. We appreciate the time. Uh, as always, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Frank and I, uh, he'll probably never talk to Florio again. So <laughs> well, Florio, good luck to you. It was a pleasure working with you, and whatever you do in the future, good luck to you. Thank you, and same to you. All right. I very care. much appreciate it. There you go, and there Take you go. It's Dr. Ray, inside injuries, the absolute best, and trying to predict injuries uh, and trying to let you know, listen, you don't want to draft these guys because uh, they're always hurt. So uh, make sure you always listen to the guys and the crew, especially Virginia and Tracy, and inside injuries. Yeah, and, you know, download the app, and I've, I've turned my notifications on – for their tweets, whenever Inside Injury, they tweet out stuff, they're right on the ball. I mean, they were tweeting about the Kenneth Dixon injury earlier on as well, so that's how I knew about it. So whenever they tweet out about an injury, I, I'm getting the, the instant update if you turn on those notifications on Twitter, something that I, I would recommend. All right, we have about two minutes before well, we hit the break, uh, which means I want to give Mike another present, Frank. All right. I'd like to give him the one that matches that. All right. Please. How much, how, what did you guys so we do? Got you, we got you something else, Mike. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to show the camera first. Uh, you're going to go be by the beach, you said. You're, you're going to be living by the beach. So you need your brand new <laughs> New York Mets beach towel to lay on, to be with you at all times. Thank so you, you can guys. rep your New York Mets in your salt and pepper shirt <laughs> while you're laying out on your New York Mets beach towel. Thank you, guys. One of the first pictures you better send back to the BFF group chat should, should be you where, uh, laying with that on the beach. So if you, you want to put it on now as a, as a cape? That, that would work for us? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely get into it. Or, or, or even like a, a scarf would work as well. Scarf. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we'll 
I'm opening it. We'll just wait for you to do that. It's, it's, it's radio, so if you're going to describe what you're doing. All right. Well, I had to open it. Yeah. I'm going to use it like a scarf. There you go. That looks no. great. That's, 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 you great, man. You look great. You look, you look great. So there you go. There's Mike Florio and his brand new Met scarf. You want to put on your, your salt and pepper shirt during the break, too, maybe? Sure. This is going to be great. Yeah, I think we should put, have put the salt and pepper shirt on during the break. Um, I wanted to get you a salt and pepper shaker, uh, but Frank overruled me and bought you the shirt instead. All right. I'm just being honest with you. I would have appreciated either one. All right, that's fine. <laughs> I well, like Greg just going like this. Well, we're going we're gonna to take a break. When we come back, three more tight to get to. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. We're going to get them all in. We're going to pick the biggest bust, and we're going to break it down. We're celebrating Mike Floria's birthday, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fantasy BFFs. Power Hour coming your way at 5. We're going to give you 60 players in 60 minutes uh, while drinking. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. Stick around. More from your BFFs right after this. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. All right, we have three more tight ends left, and I want to make sure we get to them all. Before we do, I have another uh, birthday gift to Mike Flora I'd like to present. Oh, you don't want to end- save it for, like, the end no, of the No, I show? want to save that one at the end. I have another one. Oh, all right. I have, a, I have a, another one I'd like to give you. Are you ready, Mike? You guys went way too above and beyond. All right, so, show, so, so far we've gotten you the scarf that you're wearing. It's really a towel. And the salt and pepper shirt. But as I said, it doesn't make sense to have a salt and pepper shirt without... The pepper shaker. All righty. There you go, Greggy. Greggy <laughs> is presenting Michael Florio Did you take with a this real, from the bar? legit pepper shaker. Mike, you just get pepper everywhere. Give it to us. You give might give well us pepper. It. Can you do nothing on the floor because we have to clean it up? Where am I supposed to do it then? On the table would be preferable. Yeah, there you go. Give it, give it to the shake. Yeah. yeah. Let's go, Mets. Is there actually pepper? M-N-T-S-Y. There you go. Salt and pepper shaker, Mike. Is there anything coming out? No. I tried to get the broken one. There you go. I smell it, though. You should put, like, like little orange and blue supplies in there, so you, right. just, you do the yeah. salt and pepper shaker. Yeah. So There's just Mets particles pouring. So there you go, Mike. Happy Thank birthday, you. man. Thank you. Happy birthday. All right. Uh, I said um, before, I was going to pull up uh, Barry's article on Jimmy Graham. I will do that. Uh, before I do... Uh, you noted to me, Frank, downstairs, that Jimmy Graham and Evan Silva, uh, who we have reached out to come on the show, um, Evan Silva's rankings, he's the, Jimmy Graham is his number four tight end on the year. I know my eyes open, were a little open on that. What about you? It's very interesting. I haven't, I haven't ranked the top 12. Like I have an idea of where I want guys to be, but there's a chance that I'm going to have Jimmy Graham four as well. And I understand he physically looked like he broke down last year, but if you're just looking at opportunity this season... I feel like he has a chance to fill in the shoes of Jordy Nelson. You know, last year, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Graham, 26 red zone targets. That led all of football. The year before, 2016, that was with Aaron Rodgers at the helm as the quarterback. Jordy Nelson had 32 red zone targets. That was the most that season. The next closest was Kyle Ruff with 25 red zone targets. So I think that there's a chance that 
Jimmy Graham's going to step in. He's not going to get 32 red zone targets. I'm not going to project that. Devontae Adams is there. I think there's a chance that Jimmy Graham could take some of those touchdowns away from Adams, but I think that the opportunity is there. Like, everyone expects Randall Cobb to be the number two option in the passing game here. Like, why not Jimmy Graham? I know that Rodgers hasn't typically used the tight end uh, throughout his career, but, you know, he lost Jordy Nelson. He hasn't necessarily had a tight end to the same caliber as Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's not his old self, but I'm just looking at opportunity here, and I'm getting excited. And in PPR, you bump him down a little bit, but standard half point, I think there's going to be touchdowns here. I wouldn't be surprised. I think seven, eight touchdowns is a fair projection for Jimmy Graham this year, and he and if he does that, He's going to end up being close to a top five tight end, in my opinion. Here's the stats that, that I had for you. Florio, do you know the last time that Aaron Rodgers finished with a top, or sorry, Packers, I should say, finished with a top 10 fantasy tight end? I think I do because I looked at every single tight end since all the way back to 2012. Okay. With the Packers, I'm going to guess it was Jermichael Finley. I'm, I'm gonna, not saying who it was. I'm going what 2012, I'd imagine. What year top was 12? What year was looking for? 2012. 2012 uh, was the last year they had a top 10 tight end, you're saying? That's my guess. 2012, okay. I think Richard Rodgers was somewhere in there. Say 2014. 2011. 2011. It was 2011 the last time I had a top 10 tight end. Was it your Michael Finley? It was. Last year, again, this does come from Matthew Berry's 100, thing, 100 Facts column, TMR, uh, over at ESPN.com. Um, last year, how many Aaron Rodgers had 32 red zone targets. Obviously only 32 because he only played a few games. Out of those 32 red zone targets, how many do you think went to tight ends? Remember, this team brought in Jared Cook to four. be the guy. Four. I'll say six. In between, five. It's five. Only five out of 32 targets by Aaron Rodgers went to a tight end at all. I know that Jimmy Graham, and, and now the Graham numbers, which you know are kind of the opposite of this, as you can kind of see how you play with numbers. So Jimmy Graham has had the most red zone targets in the NFL over the last two years. You have to think something's going to give, either positively or negatively. I don't know which one that is. Yeah, I, so for me, I have a lot of info on Jimmy Graham that, to me, says that I think he's going to be the bust of this bunch. Uh, like you said, Greggy, 2011 for a top tight end. Uh, in 2012, I thought it was Finley. He had 87 targets, 61 catches, 667 yards, and two touchdowns. The next best tight end season... Since 2012 was in 2015, Frank, with Richard Rodgers when he had 85 targets, 58 catches, 510 yards, and eight touchdowns. So maybe Jimmy Graham could do that this year. But like you said, Jim, uh, Jimmy Graham led the NFL in red zone targets last year. Well, Devontae Adams led all wide receivers. He had 37.1% of the Packers' red zone targets last year. He also he had six targets in the end zone. And you look at Jimmy Graham, his 10 touchdowns, all of them came from inside the red zone, and eight of them came from inside the 10-yard line. And then I looked even further. So last year, Jimmy Graham, 10 touchdowns, 57 receptions, 520 yards. Since the post-merger in 1970, there's been 284 seasons where a player has scored 10 or more touchdowns. So 284 times that happened. His 57 receptions amongst those 284 players ranks 227th, and his 520 yards ranks 281st out of 284. So clearly, extremely, extremely, extremely touchdown dependent. The fact that, yeah, I, I do think he will obviously post the best numbers a tight end on the Packers has since uh, Jermichael Finley. 
But if those touchdowns come down and he's more in like the he six or seven range instead of the the ten plus range, I think that's obviously going to hurt him. I have him ranked right now at six. I've debated him and Evan Ingram going back and forth at five and six, but I do think there's a better chance Jimmy Graham busts than Evan Ingram. So he is my pick of these four. I will say this, Greg. The year that Jordy Nelson had the 32 red zone targets, Devontae Adams was third in the NFL that year with 23 red zone targets. Jordy Nelson scored 11 touchdowns from inside the red zone. Devontae Adams had nine. So there is room for both of these guys to get touchdowns and get them inside of the red zone to have a lot of targets. Randall Cobb, not typically a guy who demands a lot of targets inside the red zone either. So if I'm looking at this, 2016, it seems like a nice uh, template for what can happen with Jimmy Graham this year, whether it's whether it's Devontae Adams with the 32 or, you know, close to 30 leading the team and Jimmy Graham with, you know, the low to mid-20s. Like, there is a template here for two Packers to score 20 touchdowns inside the red zone because we've seen it done already in 2016. I'm looking at last year's numbers for tight ends, whether it was a down year or whatever. Evan Ingram who had 722 yards and six touchdowns, finished as the tight end four in points per game. I could see Jimmy Graham having 700 yards and seven or eight touchdowns. And to me, that's going to be good enough to be a top five tight end. I'm concerned that Graham... Last year, we saw that Graham was literally nothing but a red zone target. I mean, that was it. Theoretically, with Aaron Rodgers, it's an upgrade, but Aaron Rodgers has a lot more pieces in that red zone. Devontae Adams being certainly the one with the, with the red circle uh, around than Russell Wilson did. Like, I, Devontae Adams is a better red zone target than Doug Baldwin is. And I think that if Aaron Rodgers doesn't rely on Jimmy Graham like Russell Wilson did, Jimmy Graham's just going to kind of drop off the face of the earth a little bit. My There's only... certainly a chance that can happen. Like, there is volatility with this pick, and I will not deny that. But I think, you know, what you're get... when it comes to the tight end position, if you don't grab one of the big three, you're probably trying to find the guy who's most likely to score a touchdown week in and week out. Jimmy Graham's that guy. I'll say this as well. Like, so, Frank, you laid out the stats from 2016 perfectly, but my only issue with that is that was Aaron Rodgers. He threw 40 touchdowns that year. That was his second highest in his career. So if we don't see that number, maybe that takes a hit a bit. And I owned Jimmy Graham last year, and I could tell you the weeks he didn't score a touchdown, it was atrocious. Like, I'm talking, like, two points on the week. So to me, and that's in a half-point PPR, I, I – Maybe he is safer than I'm saying, giving him credit for, but I think he has the least amount of upside. Of uh, I think Evan Ingram or Greg Olson both have higher upside than Jimmy Graham. And Delaney Walker, the other tight end we're going to talk about, costs significantly less. So that's the reason I landed on Jimmy Graham as my bust. Frank, the other person we really debated hard downstairs-ish, hard-ish, uh, was Greg Olson. Because Greg Olson, you had said he's, quote, on my do not draft list, you of course backtracked immediately. But you, <laughs> when I remembered, North Turner was the offensive coordinator. You said, "Listen, he's not. He's on my do not draft list. He was hurt all yet last year. They have Christian McCaffrey, who's a year older and and was amazing last year, and now they want to get him a billion touches a week, twenty five yeah. to thirty, according to Ron. Rivera. Yeah, that adds up to a billion. You have Devin Funches coming into his own. They drafted DJ Moore in the first round, so there's all these weapons." Greg Olson's going to fall by the wayside. And I was really in the opposite camp that, hey, if he stays healthy, he's still Cam's guy, whether it's the red zone or not. I mean, he is still as good as ever. And, yes, Christian McCaffrey's certainly there, but this is a team that's never utilized two wide receivers as much as they can be utilized, and I was still banking on Greg Olson. So we disagreed here. 
Yeah, and I am worried about Greg Olson. It, it's kind of similar to Evan Ingram, and even a little bit with Tra- Travis Kelsey as well. Like, I'm worried about target distribution for some of these guys because Greg Olson, I mean, five straight years, over 100 targets, over 1,000 yards, three seasons in a row. Uh, last year was abysmal. He was hurt for most of the year. Uh, the production wasn't there. He was tied for 27th in points per game, whatever. 2016 tight end four, 2015 tight end six. Yes, he was great. But that was with high volume. I mean, 2016 led this team in targets, 127. Kelvin Benjamin, 118. Ted Ginn, 95. 2015 led this team in targets, 123. Ted Ginn, 96. Devin Funches, 64. Something is not going to add up here by end of year. Whether, you know, Christian McCaffrey is going to see a big decrease in targets or, you know, maybe it's DJ Moore coming in as a rookie and, you know, maybe not doing much. Maybe that's what it comes down to. But, you know, if you expect Devin Funches to still be the number one wide receiver, maybe not number one target on the outside, who's going to demand attention in the red zone, demand targets. Christian McCaffrey, nearly 120 targets last year, led all of rookies. I'm just worried. I'm worried about workload here. How many opportunities is he going to get? He's another year older. A guy who was contemplating retirement in the offseason had an offer to go into a broadcasting career. The one thing that I do like is that North Turner takes over as the offensive coordinator here, and we've seen him do wonders with tight ends. Uh, a couple of years ago when Kyle Rudolph finished as tight end two, that was with North Turner as the OC. All those years with Antonio Gates getting things done with the San Diego Chargers, the then San Diego Chargers, that was with North Turner as the head coach. So he clearly gets the tight end involved. I'm just worried about one year older for uh, Greg Olson, all these targets coming in. Uh, these are the best weapons that Cam Newton has ever had in his career. Like before he had to zone in on uh, Greg Olson. So I'm just worried with that, worried about age. I think I've talked myself again into him being on my do not draft list. I'm not going to let just North Turner being there be the reason why I get in. I- I'm not going to own any shares of Greg Olson this season. So, the new weapon they have now is a rookie wide receiver. But last year they had Funches. They had McCaffrey. They had basically the same offense minus DJ Moore. When Greg Olson returned, the final three games of the season last year, Greggy, 12 targets, 6 targets, 9 targets, and then the playoffs, when it mattered most, he went 12 targets, 8 catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Cam Newton loves this guy. Even last year with a banged-up foot, not playing at 100%. Once he got back on the field, they threw him the ball, and they threw him the ball plenty. He didn't perform well in those three final games that I just referenced. In fact, in the regular season last year, he had one game with over 30 yards, and that was when we had 12 catches for uh, 12 targets, I'm sorry, nine catches, 116 yards, and a TD. But then in the playoffs, Camp, when it mattered most, Cam was going back to him. In those final four games, including the playoffs, three out of the four of them, he had over nine targets, and the one he didn't, he had six I don't think a rookie wide receiver is going to change that. I think that they will find ways to get CMC and Greg Olson the ball. I have uh, Greg Olson ranked as my number four tight end. And I, while I'm not actively targeting him by any stretch because I keep waiting and just taking Burton and Rudolph, um, I would draft him over Evan Ingram. I would draft him over Jimmy Graham. And I'm not too worried about it. All right, so there you go. I, I'm with you when it comes to Greg Olson. I also want him ahead of Jimmy Graham. I also feel comfortable with him. And now we get to the final one, and that's Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker, longtime Titans tight end, longtime success story. Um, but this is the one that feels to me like 
this dude could just break down. And that's why, like, in my in Scott's Fishbowl, for instance, and other best ball drafts, I think John Smith's a guy that no one's taking, and he should. Because I think Delaney Walker, like, one of these days at his age, the amount of wear and tear, he's going to break down. And if, you, if you're buying into the red zone in Green Bay, and you, like me, Florio, buying into Greg Olson having a renaissance and staying healthy this year, then, to me, Delaney Walker's the one that's just not going to ultimately have the year we're used to him having, Mikey. I mean, he hasn't played in less than 15 games since 2010. I know. That's a, so, that's a long time. It, it, it is. So, but to me, that kind of says he's very durable. But to me, I can't admit, have him as a bust because, yes, what he did in 2015, that was an anomaly when he had the 94 catches, uh, 1,088 yards, and six touchdowns. But three of the other four years, over 800 yards every single season. He's going to give you between, like, Four to six touchdowns in that range. I know he only had the three last year, but every other year for the last like four or five, it's been four between four and seven. So I also, and I know people are going to hype up Corey Davis. Corey Davis returned last year on November 5th. From that point forward, Delaney Walker saw at least five targets in every single game. His per game stats during that stretch were 6.9 targets per game, 4.7 catches, 53.7 yards, and a third of a touchdown. His 16-game pace, if you take away on the time where Corey Davis was out there, is 110 targets, 75 catches, 859 yards, and five touchdowns. Delaney Walker just does what Delaney Walker does. It's not going to be, like, super fun or exciting or pretty, but at the end of the year, I think you can bank on around 70 catches, uh, 800 yards, four or five touchdowns, and he'll be a top tight end, uh, tight end one. I can't have him as a bust. He also costs you the least of these four. Yeah, you know what's crazy is of this group, he's the safest in my opinion. I hear what you're saying, Greg. I think if you own John U. Smith in like a keeper dynasty, something like that, you get excited about it. And even if you take Delaney Walker in a best ball draft, one of these deeper ones, maybe take John U. Smith as like your tight end three, just as like a backup in case this does happen because Delaney Walker is older, but, you know, extremely safe four years in a row, 800 uh, or more receiving yards last year. Led the Tennessee Titans in red zone targets with 12. Was number one among tight ends in end zone target share. 50% of the end zone targets for the Tennessee Titans last year was Delaney Walker, and he only had three touchdowns. So positive touchdown regression, I think, is coming. I think as safe a bet for 750 yards, because maybe he regresses a little bit. He's had 800, but 750 yards, five, six touchdowns, extremely safe in my opinion. Delaney Walker is the unsung hero of this group, uh, Greggy. If I had to pick my bust, the guy that I'm scared of the most, it's Evan Engram, and then it's uh, Greg Olson out of this group, the four that we spoke about today. Mike? It's Jimmy Graham. Uh, For me, it's going to be Jimmy Graham as well. All right. Well, we're all over the place. For me, it's Jimmy Graham as well. I I think ultimately we can see Jared Cook. Like, Jimmy Graham might have a good game here and there, but he's going to fall apart. The final gift, Mike Florio. He's headed to L.A., where the Kings from. Taking his talents this is amazing. to the West Coast. LeBron! Thank you, guys. From Mike Florio. Enjoy it all, Florio. We have a couple more gifts tomorrow in what should be the farewell Florio show. All of us will be back for the Power Hour coming up at 5 p.m. Eastern. You're not going to want to miss that. From Mike Florio, Frank Stample. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We, we hope. hope.